Matthew chapter 1, 18, uh, beginning with verse 18. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. It's a very familiar story to probably everybody in the room today, but I will rehearse it one more time uh, today during this Christmas season. Verse 18, it says, Now the birth of Jesus was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled with that which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife. And did not know her till she had brought forth their firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. I love the Christmas season. I love this time of year. Um, there is something very magical about it to me and to our family. Uh, mainly because our parents raised us that way. Uh, right after Thanksgiving, uh, we would just begin to, to dive headfirst into into uh, the green and the red, and, and the tree went up, and the, and the gifts began to be wrapped, uh, small gifts and large gifts, and, 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 and we have all these wonderful traditions that we've carried out throughout our, throughout our years. As a child, my dad would begin to bring home eggnog at this time of the year and get it chilled, ice cold in the freezer where there would literally be like little bitty ice crystals in the eggnog. And so all I ever knew growing up was that eggnog was accompanied with nutmeg. I didn't realize until I got older that it was just a supplement to go with other drinks. But nevertheless, nevertheless, I've since learned that. And, um, but, but, but eggnog was a, was a tradition around our house, uh, and, uh, and it was just a fun time, a time of expectation, a time of surprise, and, and a time of joy and laughter and traditions. And, and one of those traditions was, uh, little by little, some, some, some gifts would begin to be put under the tree, and usually about a week or so before Christmas, we would all, all three of our, my, the, my two siblings and myself, we would, we would be given the opportunity to pick out one present early. And so you know what you do, you're shaking them and you're looking at them and obviously as a small child, you're, you see the biggest one. And so you surely believe that the biggest one has got to be the greatest one. And so, so you're, 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 you're trying to decide which one of those gifts you want to open based on the packaging. So there's all these, there's all these traditions. And so, and so I would pick the one gift and, and usually it would have been the lesser valued gift. And I'm sure they had a way of wrapping it in such a way, knowing that we would not pick the big gift early. So they would do something to the packaging to make us think somehow we were getting the best gift when really we were probably getting one of the stocking stuffer gifts. But to celebrate the birth of Christ, 
we have all of these great traditions. There's the singing of carols. As my cousin, my first cousin and lifelong best friend was up here leading us in worship today. I couldn't help but think early this morning about how he and I and all of our other first cousins and aunts and uncles, it was a Christmas tradition that on, on Christmas night, we would all, day, we would all gather at my grandparents' house in Jackson, Mississippi, and that evening we would all pile up in vehicles. Just, our kids where you had to have car seats and seat belts and you could just lay across the back dash. Some, our kids don't even know what a back dash is anymore, but you lay across the back dash and we just all pile in cars and we'd go to neighborhoods and we'd all get out as a family and sing carols. We went caroling. Do our kids even know what caroling is anymore? And as a family, I was thought the other night some of our family got together to celebrate my mom's birthday in my house and you just never know at our house when our family begins to get together, just spontaneous harmonizing takes begins to take place and everybody's walking around doing their own thing and there's this beautiful song joy to the world or whatever just breaks out and this one's over here and that one's over there and they're all doing their own thing but they're all singing in perfect harmony Billy Page was at the house and I look over at him and he's just like what, what, what what's happening what's happening is this did I just walk into a cult or something here I don't know what's going on here but but that's what these these family traditions these Christmas traditions caroling gift giving turkey and dressing homemade candy parades and festivities that we've been enjoying this past weekend. But we must remember that this beautiful story of Christmas was not quite as beautiful when it happened in real time. All the pageantry and all of the festivities and the parades and the joy and the laughter that we experience today, that's not what was happening on the first Christmas. Today, we have the advantage of history and distance in the, in the great advantage of being able to look at this story in retrospect, to be able to look at it in the rearview mirror. And it helps us by looking at it in retrospect. It helps us to be able to really celebrate this miraculous event. But the original event was not surrounded by all this pageantry and fun and fine food and red and green wrapping paper and beautifully decorated trees. The first Christmas was not filled with the praise and the joy and the wonder that we feel right now, even in this service today, especially in the lives, especially in the lives of the people who were most affected during that particular Christmas season, surrounded by the birth of Jesus. We all would think that there would be great joy in their lives, but we would be thinking wrong. Because the reality is, was with many of the gifts God gives us, we have our joy in retrospect. With many of the gifts that God blesses us with, the joy comes when we look in the rearview mirror. And we have joy in our rearview mirror as we look back and we say, God's plan was better than our plan. His ways were so much higher than my ways. But when it's unfolding, when it's all happening, when the events evoke place, let me remind us that God's gifts don't always evoke joy in our lives in the moment. And they don't always set up praise and splendor in our lives in the moment. That's, this is the reason why James said, count it all joy. 
Go ahead and count it now as you're going through it, as you're going through this great trial and this great difficulty of life. Go ahead and mark it down right now because this will be joy in your life. Count it all joy when you go through these various trials and temptations and issues of life because there's going to come a day when you're going to look in retrospect. You're going to look back in the rearview mirror and you're going to be able to say, I have joy in my life and it's all because of that place. And that season, so James knew that you, he could prophetically say, this is joy, even though it doesn't feel joyful right now. Sometimes gifts from God, you know, hear me clear when I say this and hear me out. Don't walk out in the next five minutes or you'll miss the point. Sometimes gifts from God brings chaos in our lives. Sometimes the gifts from God will even have us wondering is this truly and really a gift from God? Or is this a plot from the enemy to destroy me? There are times, and let me just be very clear now, God is not the author of confusion and chaos in our lives. And God doesn't bring confusion in our life. But when he is doing something new in our life, when God is doing something miraculous in our lives, in most cases... In most cases, we are not prepared, we're not ready for what he is doing in our life because he's taking us from where we were to where he wants us to be. And so in those seasons, in those moments, it's going to go against everything that is in us. And because it's going against everything that is in us, therein lies, there comes the chaos and the confusion. And so this gift that God is giving us sometimes will come wrapped in chaos and confusion. Joseph should have been elated. He should have been excited about the birth of Jesus. He should have been elated about the fact that his soon-to-be wife, that his house was going to be the house that was chosen by God to be the one trusted with the greatest gift ever given to mankind. But sometimes being chosen and selected by God will leave us in disarray. We all think that a gift from God will make us happy. It's a gift from God, so, so that means I'm just going to be overflowing with goodness and laughter and joy because it's a gift from God, but the truth is, is if God is moving us, if God is doing something out of the norm, if God is doing something miraculous and spectacular in our life, it's going to go against our norm. The first glimpse we get of Joseph, he's not happy. He's not happy opening this gift with great joy. He's not doing this with, with all kinds of laughter and joy in his life. Our first glimpse of this man opening this gift that God has given him, it is filled with worry. He's upset. He's confused. All of a sudden, where everything was going smooth and he was, he was engaged to his beautiful little uh, soon-to-be bride and, and everything was perfect, all of his T's were crossed and I's were dotted. He had a plan, but now God is gifting him with something and now all of a sudden his life is filled with chaos and confusion and worry. Often when God gives us a gift, it will worry us before it will bless us because of what's in us. Not because he brings worry, not because he brings fear, but it will begin to evoke those emotions and those things inside of us because he is doing something new and different and perfect. 
At first, when we see Joseph in the scripture, he's not trying to figure out a way to get closer. I get out of this pregnant Mary in his life. The first reaction we see in him is, how do I get out of this? How do I put her away secretly? He's, he's looking for an exit to get away from the gift. After all, who knows what's in a gift until it's been unwrapped. We're judging the gift by the wrapping paper. Ultimately, it's not the gift that I want to warn us about today. Ultimately, my warning to all of us is not about the gift. The gift is perfect. I want to warn us today, and I want, to, I want our hearts and our minds and our eyes to be guarded from the wrapping paper surrounding the perfect gift. Because we don't know what's in it till we get it open. Some of us in this room today, we could be holding God's greatest gift, but it's wrapped in something that we don't like. It's wrapped in something that doesn't make us feel good. It's wrapped in something that's, that's messing with our mind and messing with our heart. And we're saying, I don't know if God actually gave me this or not. Joseph is questioning if this is really a gift from God. Because God's greatest gifts are often wrapped in problems and anxieties and worries and fear. The wrapping is. These gifts often come to us camouflaged and even what seems to us, to us, as hopeless, impossible, and even perilous circumstances. Great gifts come wrapped up in really odd things sometimes, like getting fired from a job, getting the pink slip, and all of a sudden on that day when that when, 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 the, when, the, when the employer calls us into, that, in, into the office on that infamous day, we don't feel so gifted on that day. But then all of a sudden, when that other door opens up, all of a sudden, when that promotion comes, all of a sudden, when that new spot all of a sudden opened up out of nowhere, then all of a sudden we realize and we see the gift that we would have never known or never experienced had we camped out and lived in the place that we were. My main point today is simply this. It's not, it's, not, it's not complicated, it's very simple. Type it in your phone, write it down on a tablet, write it on your mirror with a lipstick, whatever you have to do, but it's simply this. Don't be bothered by the wrapping paper because the wrapping paper is not the gift. Don't be bothered by the wrapping paper because the wrapping paper is not the gift. Some of us had a gift rejecting in the form of someone you thought you couldn't live without, walking out of your life, rejecting you and abandoning you. And you didn't know, you didn't even know if you would be able to survive after that horrific event and loss in your life. For some of us it came in the form of unexpectedly losing a loved one to death, to natural death, and we thought, I don't think I can breathe another breath without this person in my life. Yet, you sit here today, you did survive, you did make it. For some people, when they received that diagnosis from the doctor that they thought was bleak and, 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 and it was going to be certain death in their life, but yet you are sitting here and standing here and worshiping today, you did make it through. And now you're looking back at every single season in your life, in a moment in the presence of the Lord, and you're seeing that 
God, you have brought so much joy into my life. Not, not, not because of that, but through that, God, you did amazing things. The gift is perfect. And I'm not going to judge the gift by the wrapping paper. Now you're able to look back and say, what a gift. God can give us a gift sometimes and we don't feel gifted at all. The first thing the angel said to Joseph that worried him was this. Don't be afraid. We read the Don't be afraid. Fear not. We read those words all throughout Scripture from the Old Testament to the new. We see, the, we see those letters in red where Jesus himself spoke and said, do not be afraid, fear not, be not afraid. And he says it over and over again. And those words are so comforting to us. But can I tell you that when we hear those words, when we read those words, those moments at times when those particular words leap off the page to us, as comforting as they are, sometimes when God will whisper those words, fear not, my child, do not be afraid. Can I tell you what that usually means? That usually means that I'm about to be tempted with something in my life that's going to cause me to be afraid. So I need to hold on to these words. I need to plant my feet around this promise that he will never leave me and he will never forsake me. And I cannot let fear consume my life these words though they were very comforting I'm sure the angel went to tell Joseph this and it simply meant that he was about to face something in his life that could potentially evoke fear in his mind and in his heart fear is a terrible thing Fear does not come from God. As a matter of fact, the Bible is very clear that God did not give us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Fear is debilitating. Fear is paralyzing. Fear will make us, fear will something that God is going to use to bless us. Fear will make us try to put away, just like Joseph was doing, to try to put away the redemption that God's providing to save us with. Joseph was trying to set aside the gift that God had sent to be raised in his house. And Joseph was trying to put it away because of fear. We have to be so very careful that we don't allow fear to rob us of God's greatest gifts in our lives. Today, just, just for a few more minutes, I want to talk about three, three types of fear that I believe attacked Joseph's heart and mind. I believe it's the same three types of fears that will attack our hearts and minds when God is ushering us and moving us into his perfect gifts in our lives. And the first fear was this. It was the fear of perception. The fear of perception. What is everybody going to think? What is this going to look like? Many times God will give us a gift that causes us to become controversial. The gift God gave Joseph put him and Mary right in the middle of the town gossip rumor mill. It was a controversial gift, but it came from God. Mercy. The perfect gift from God, but it created all kinds of controversy. We've got our lives wrapped up in these perfect little beautifully decorated boxes, don't we? Isn't that what we want to do? We want to put out before the whole world, look at how perfect my life is. Look at how perfect my family is. We've got it all together. Whether we openly admit that or not, we all have a little bit of that in us. And truthfully, that may work in a Hallmark 
Christmas movie. All right, I'm fixing to hammer down on some of you ladies just for a minute. Thank you, Jerry. It's not just your wife, it's mine too. And I got the microphone right now, so next, if, you want, if you want to hear the other side, you get a lady up here to preach, and that'll be fine with me. I'll let her. I, I'm, I'm good with that. But yeah, listen, I, I have sat through some of those movies. I'm using it as an opportunity to be able to be close to my wife for a little while. But I'll never get all those hours back. They're gone forever. And there's nothing wrong with Hallmark movies. Let me put it this way. There's nothing wrong with a Hallmark movie. Because the truth is, is if you watch one Hallmark Christmas movie, you've seen every single one of them. They're all the exact same story. A new character, a may reverse town, but it's always the same. The, the guy and the girl roles may reverse every now and then, but the truth of the matter is the girl gets, the big city girl who's engaged to the big city guy gets stranded in the little Mayberry town. Either the car broke down or they're snowed in. Again, the little details change, but it's the same story. There's a struggling business in the little Mayberry town that she's decided she's going to take over and rule the world with in Mayberry. Meanwhile, there's this perfectly eligible 30-something-year-old bachelor living in this little Mayberry town who basically doesn't have a life, really. But he's this perfect stud of a guy that everybody else seems to be passing by, but all of a sudden, big city girls in town, and they fall in love. And she's falling out of love with Big City Boy. Finally, toward the end of the movie, Big City Boy finally finds her back. Only by this time, everybody watching the movie hates Big City Boy, and he's done nothing to deserve this. She breaks off the engagement. She marries perfect, eligible bachelor. If the movie went on, if the movie went on, I don't think she'd be very happy with the guy who decided to spend his life just hanging out in a little town doing nothing. Just looking good. Thank you, Paul Tommy, like you and me. That's how we got our gals, just standing around looking good. That's what we did. That may be great for a Hallmark movie, maybe all perfectly packaged and look just right, but the real life story, the real world, in this real world that we live in, when the, when, when the camera stops rolling, it's messy. In the real world, life has trouble, real trouble. Can I just say it this way? In the real world, life has crazy people in it. Anybody got any crazy people in your life? I don't know who the country, I think it was Billy Currington, one of those, uh, one of those country music singers that said, God is great, Pe people are crazy, you fill, it, you, fill in the, you fill in the middle if you want to. But I want to I encourage every one of us to shake off the fear of perception. Let's shake off the fear of perception. What's this going to look like? What's this going to seem like? If, if I begin to move into the gift that God is gifting me with and giving me here, when I begin to walk in this miraculous place, what's it going to look like? What's this going to sound like? It looks very controversial right now. I don't mean taking on a mindset of I don't care what anybody thinks. That's just being rude. I, I don't enjoy being around people who I don't care what any mindset. I, I am who I am. I is what I is, whatever. I, 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 don't, I don't care for that kind of mindset because that's just 
flat out rude is what that is. We should care what people think about us. I don't mean to the point of being fake and putting on fake uh, personas and, and facades and all of that kind of stuff. Be who we are, but be nice. And care about our reputation. Care about how people perceive us because we are ambassadors of Christ. And if everybody hates us and everybody thinks we're rude, guess what? We're never going to be effective for the kingdom of God. So I'm not talking about having an I don't care what anybody thinks attitude about myself, but I am talking about being willing to step outside of the box, not being scared that, you know what? If this is where God is calling me, if this is what he's ushering me into, it looks very, it looks very controversial on the surface, but I know if God is leading this and God is guiding this, he will see me through this and it will be his work that's done. I'm so appreciative of my parents, there was a time in their life when they walked away from a certain safety zone. Uh, uh, there was this place of safety for them. It was a particular religious organization, and I, I, I'm a little hesitant to even talk about it because I don't want it to sound like I'm bashing another religious group or throwing anybody under the bus. It is what it is, but the, what, what, something that my parents found out, they realized that, you know what, there are some things that, that, that really don't quite line up completely with things, some of the, the, the political aspects of things and some of the religious aspects of things and so you know what we're just going to have to agree to disagree and kind of go our own direction and just and just value the things that we know are most valuable in our relationship with God and with people and, and, and the, the proof was in the pudding because they found out something it didn't take very long for them to find out something all of a sudden people who were supposed to have been their closest friends who they thought maybe they would go to hell and back with just because they didn't hold a particular membership to a particular religious organization just because he didn't have the same paper in his back pocket that he used to have now all of a sudden those relationships were severed not on my mom and dad's part but on the people that said you know what if you're not going to be a part of our club and so they had to make that very controversial move in their life and it hurt them that they were broken because if you know my mom and dad you know that they value nothing more in this world than relationships and the people in their life and so today, now, I'm able to minister from a place that it's all about relationship, and it's not about do you come to my church or do you dot your I's and cross your T's like I do. I'm able to minister from that place because they made the very controversial and, uh, decision and go against what it was going to look like and feel like they did it with love. They didn't do it. I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm going my way, and I disagree with everybody. They never took up arms with anybody, but they made the very controversial move. They weren't scared of the perception. There wasn't a fear of perception. And now today, I'm benefiting from that. Truthfully, if we're to be honest, this church today is benefiting from those very controversial moves that were made in their lives. That transition. But the truth is, anybody who's actually doing something will have people talking about them. If you're actually doing something for the kingdom of God, if you're actually getting up and you're on a mission, you will have people talking about you and those who are not doing anything are, the, are usually the ones who are talking about the ones who are doing something. And that's all I'll say about the fear of perception. Number two, I think Joseph struggled with the fear of provision. The fear of provision. There was the fear of perception and then there was the fear of provision. Can I afford this gift? Do I have in me what it takes to possess this gift? I'm not talking about money today. It's not so much about money, but the emotional expense and the mental expense, the, 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 the spiritual capacity to receive this gift from God. Do I have what it takes to maintain this gift? 
we must be careful when God takes us to a place of blessing that we don't miss the gift because we're wondering, can I handle it? Am I good enough? We were created in his image. He, everything that he's calling us to, he's already equipped us a provision. He's given you a vision. He's already made the provision. We can't have a fear of provision. It wasn't, it, it, it wasn't because Joseph didn't have the money that they didn't have a, a place for the, for the baby to be born. He, 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 was, he was going from hotel to hotel, and he was knocking on every door. He was talking to every innkeeper. He had the money to pay. They had prepared for this trip. They were ready for this trip. It was, it was one that they had planned for for some time. He wasn't looking for a handout from anyone. He wasn't looking for benevolence. He had what he needed. You don't go aggressively from hotel to hotel trying to get a room if you don't have the money to pay. But sometimes... When we're dealing with God's gifts, we need provisions that our, that our money cannot buy. There are some things that when dealing with the things of God, it doesn't matter how much money we have. We'll never have enough. We can't buy enough stuff to take care of our mental and emotional and spiritual peace. It'll only come from God. Joseph had the money, but the ends were all full the reason the angel could say to Joseph, do not fear, is because he already knew that God, God had already provided a place for them. Don't worry, don't, don't fear about how all this is going to play out, because I've already made a way. If I'm declaring it, if I'm promising it, I've already made the provision for it. God had already made the provision for Joseph. And can I just remind everybody in this room today, that he's already made provision for you. I don't know what it is in your life. I don't know what it is that you feel like you're, you can't afford, so to speak, what you feel like you don't have the emotional or the spiritual fortitude to handle. I want to tell you something. If God is ushering, if God is calling, if God is gifting, he's already made the provision. He's already put inside of you and me everything that we need for the gift. So when one door closes, that just means that God has another door that he's about to open for us. In retrospect, in the rearview mirror later, Joseph was able to say, God, I thank you for the closed doors. Someone here today may be saying, thank God that door was closed shut in my life. Thank God they didn't let me in because I would have missed what God was wanting to do in my life. Joseph heard those famous words that had been quoted in every children's Christmas play when the innkeeper walks to the door and says, no room in the inn. What sounded like no to Joseph was actually God's way of rerouting him to get him to the place where God had already opened the door wide. But he would have never gotten to that place had he not been rerouted had he not been turned away, had he not faced the closed door of the innkeeper, that means we need to learn how to thank God for the doors he has shut and the way that he has made. Thirdly and finally, I believe the, the third fear that Joseph faced and we face today is the fear of providence. Providence. Simply God's protective care. God's guidance in our lives. God's sovereignty in our lives. His direction 
his plan. We all struggle with, God, am I where you want me to be? Am I going where you want me to go? Am I really hearing your voice? Is that really you? And I think Joseph just had a fear, and he said, God, if I go, will you go with me? We talked last week about Emmanuel, God with us. He is always with us. I'm reminded of the story. Forgive me if you've heard it a million times before, but I love this story. We all love the Delta, don't we? I mean, we live here. We, we, we're thankful for this great homeland that we have. We, we appreciate the fertile farmland. We love the people. But the truth of the matter is, is that the Mississippi and Louisiana are not the most desirable places in the world to most people. Everybody else, we love it. But other folks look at us and kind of, you know, look down on us a little bit living here in the Delta. And so the Lord spoke to this minister in the Midwestern plains of the country and told him, says, I want you to go to the Delta of Mississippi and preach my gospel. And he responded to the Lord and said, God, I can't, I can't do that. I'll go anywhere in the world. I'll go to a third world nation, but I will not. I can't go to the Delta of Mississippi. There's just no way I can do that. So he left it alone. And later he goes back in his prayer closet and he prays, God, you tell me what to do. I want to follow. I want to be in your plan. I want to be in your will. I want to be in your providence. God says, I want you to go to the Delta of Mississippi and preach my gospel. He says, God, no, anything but the Delta of Mississippi. I can't go there. So finally, a few days rock on. He's not hearing from God. He goes back to his prayer closet. He says, God, whatever you want me to do, that's what I'm going to do. I'll go where you want me to go. Booming voice from heaven says, I want you to go to the Delta of Mississippi and preach my gospel. Finally, the man says, God, I'll go to the Delta of Mississippi and preach your gospel, but I'll only do it under one condition, that you go with me. There was a long pause in heaven, and all of a sudden this booming voice said, I'll go as far as Yazoo City. <laughs> There's some places I guess even God won't go, huh? But God is here. God is here. Joseph had to have wondered about this new door, this new opportunity that was before him. I'm certain that he thought, I could do this better if I just knew for sure. If I just knew that I had the providence of God, if I just knew for sure that God, you were going to go with me through this whole process, all I'm having right now is a dream, all there is right now is a promise, but God, if I just knew, no doubt Joseph was standing in the middle of this world changing moment in his life on one hand, wanting to embrace this gift, wanting to embrace this miraculous, powerful word from God and embark on this miraculous journey before him and on the other hand being overwhelmed by the chaotic wrapping paper and asking, what am I supposed to do with this? Christmas looks better in retrospect than it does in its current reality. In reality, it was rough. Maybe your life looks better when you look back at it than it did when you were going through it. And maybe you're here today now and you're rejoicing about something that you used to cry about. Now maybe you're rejoicing over the thing that caused tears in the past. And today, only when we think that you lift your hands and you say, God, I thank you. I thank you for unanswered prayers. It's only when we look back that we realize that the thing we thought was going to kill us was actually working for us a far more exceeding and weight and eternal weight of glory in our lives. How many of you went to the 25th high school reunion and you saw those people you hadn't seen in 25 
years. And there he was across the room. The one you prayed for. The one you sought God for. The one you just knew he's the one. And now you're sitting here with this stud beside you. And you're thinking, what in the world did 25 years do to that guy? And you're singing Garth Brooks' song. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. The thing you cried yourself to sleep about when you were 16 years old is the thing you're rejoicing about today. All rejection is not bad. Just ask the fish that got thrown back in the pond. He was going to be tonight's supper, but he got rejected, so now he's swimming free. If we hadn't been fired, if we hadn't been rejected, if we hadn't been turned down, if we hadn't been disappointed, we wouldn't have found the door. The door. Now we say, I would never want to go through any of that ever again the way that I did, but thank God he's been so faithful in my life. Look at what God has done. Because of every closed door, he opened the door. Joseph allowed himself just to live in that place of the closed door. He could have allowed himself to just live in that place of rejection. He could have stood outside the door of the innkeeper and screamed and hollered and kicked the ground and said, look at my pregnant wife. Can't you see what I'm going through? And you're telling me there is no room. You're just throwing another closed door in my face. I'll burn this place down if I have to, if you don't take care of my pregnant wife. But instead he pushed from one closed door to the next. And then all of a sudden he turns the corner and there's that little barn. And it didn't even dawn on me till Daddy got up this morning and started, uh, started admonishing us and, and talking about that manger and the power of the manger and the barn. Because see, if that miracle would have taken place behind closed doors in a little, in, in, within the, the chambers of a small motel room, the world would not have been able to experience what they had. But because it was in a manger, because it was in a barn under open air where all of God's humanity was able to come and enjoy and, re and relate to and, and experience the coming of the Christ child, the coming of the king. I'm so thankful we preach it all the time. We didn't have to go where he was. Somebody would have had to beat the door down to get to Jesus in a hotel room, but instead he came to us. He came to a dirty, rotten stable. He came into our lives. I didn't have to go to him. He came to me. I was rejecting my notes. What Joseph thought was rejection was actually a door. And there Jesus was born, placed in a manger. There he was serenaded. They were serenaded by angels. They were illuminated by this majestic heavenly star. That's because God's provisions, his gifts, will usually always take us out of the normal places that we would expect. We serve a God who doesn't operate much in the norm. And aren't you thankful for that? What God is going to bless us with may be outside the box. And we have to decide whether or not we have the fortitude to be blessed in a way that no one else is being blessed. We've got to understand that God may take us outside the system. God may take us outside of the status quo. He may take us to a place where we never thought we would find God. A dirty manger, a dirty stable, a dirty barn with cows and sheep. Goats, this is where God chose to meet us. He decided to come where we were and bring the greatest gift. So let me just remind us one more time today in closing. Don't be bothered by the wrapping paper because the wrapping paper is not the gift. Don't be bothered by the wrapping paper because the wrapping paper is not 
the gift. The angel said in verse 20, don't be afraid because that which is conceived in Mary is of the Holy Spirit. My words would be this way. This is how I would paraphrase it. Joseph, stop worrying about how everything's going to work out. Quit trying to figure out the end here. You're still on chapter 2. There's a whole great story and plot being ready to be fulfilled and, and, and played out here over the course of this book. Don't go back and read the last chapter. Let, don't worry about it. Don't, don't, don't focus on all of that right now. Whatever God starts, God is going to finish. If he started it, he will finish it. Joseph, that which is in Mary, that thing, that, that thing that's growing and living inside of Mary, you didn't start that. That, that wasn't your thing. That wasn't your doing. So if you didn't start it, then you can't finish it. Philippians 1.6 says, He who has begun a good work in you, he will complete it. He is faithful to complete it. If God started it, God will complete it. Scripture says that after Mary was taken by Joseph to be his wife, that Joseph protected her, he loved her. He nurtured her. He cared for her. In those nights, but hear this. But during that season of pregnancy, during those nine months of now being married to Mary, loving her and caring for her and protecting her, he never consummated the marriage. Now, I'm not trying to be cute here. I'm not trying to be graphic in any way. I'm just telling you the truth. He never consummated the marriage so that when Jesus was born Mary was still a virgin because that's what was prophesied that's the way it was supposed to be the virgin Mary was to give birth to the Christ child so Joseph honored that he walked beside a woman that he loved he walked beside and cared for and nurtured a woman that he married. He was caring for her, but he did not touch her. And here's my point. This is why I share that today. I think what Joseph did is wisdom for all of us. And it's simply this. Don't touch things while God's working on them. Don't go put your hands on stuff and try to manipulate things and fix things while questions working on them. If it's still up in the air, if there's still more questions than there are answers, if there's only a promise and no fulfillment yet, don't go trying to fix it. Don't go trying to worry about it and overthink it and analyze it. Take your hands off of it. If, if God is working, we need to take our hands off of it. And for heaven's sake, don't curse the things that God's still working on. We're so, we're so quick to curse things in our lives because we don't like the wrapping paper. We're cursing the gift because the wrapping paper is ugly. Or the wrapping paper is offensive. Or the wrapping paper hurts my feelings. Or the wrapping paper goes against everything I thought in my heart and mind. And now I'm cursing that thing. And I'm saying, I can't believe. And this should never be. And why was this? And why did you do that? And that's what we're, and we're doing that. And meanwhile, God is saying, as, as Joseph did, take your hands off of it. It's not for you to decide that. That's just the wrapping paper. You haven't seen my gift yet. It's not, it's not all been unfolded yet. So you just do your part 
you be still. If God's working on something in our lives, we have to stop trying to do it for him. We have to stop trying to fix it. It seems it wouldn't make any difference if Joseph had been with his wife. As a matter of fact, it seems as if he would have had every right to do so. He was married to her. That there's... But I believe this was the place where God was teaching him that there's sometimes in our lives when we have to be still. When we have to stop the madness. We have to stop the mind. We got to stop all of that. We got to put everything outside and we just got to be still and know that He is God, that His work is perfect. His gifts are perfect. I may not like the wrapping paper, but the gift is perfect. Don't be bothered by the wrapping paper because the wrapping paper is not the gift. I'm sure, I'm sure Joseph said, baby, you fine, <laughs> and I love you. And one day, but right now, I don't want to mess. I don't want to mess up with God. I don't want to mess with what God's doing right now. So I'm going to be still, and I'm going to know that he is God. He didn't, he didn't get involved in what God was working on. And my last thing is this, God doesn't wait till people reject you to prepare a place for you. Can I tell you that our God is not reactive? A lot of times we think that this is the big one. God, you got to do something, and then God's up there going, okay, what do I got to do? What do I got to do? What am I going to do? No, that never, never does that. God knew what was coming before we ever even, it was ever even a thought. He already has a plan. He's already made a way. He's already opened a door. But we're living in the closed door. We're living in the full ends. What are we going to do? I got a pregnant wife. God had a manger already in place. Joseph just didn't know where it was yet. God had all the right players in all the right spot. God was already set up and ready to do the work that he needed to do. God had already worked it all out. And while God was working it out, Joseph had to get to the place where he said, God, I trust you. I don't know if it was after the third hotel or the fourth or the fifth innkeeper that finally said, no more room, no vacancy. I don't know exactly when it was, but there was a certain point in Joseph's life in that moment when he stopped and he said, okay, God, you started this thing, now you finish it. And I'm taking my hands off of it. I believe it might have been that, it might have been the moment when he turned the corner. And there was that star. There was that, there was that barn. There was that stable that was illuminated. There was those, there was those who, who were now beginning to gather. Maybe they were just farm animals at that point. But there was that, there was that manger sitting there in the center of it. God had all the right players in all the right place. And while man was closing doors, God had opened the perfect door. Don't be bothered by the wrapping paper. Because the wrapping paper not the gift. Would you stand with me across this room today? Can I tell you that God's gifts are perfect? Have I said that today already? God's gifts are perfect. There are some miraculous and powerful things that God is doing and is going to do in all of our lives. I truly believe that.
He's always working. He's always moving. And his gifts are perfect. But guess what? We live in this earthen vessel, don't we? We face life. You're going to wake up tomorrow, and for some of us in this room, with this number of people in the room, it's just, it's just it's inevitable. It's going to happen. Somebody in this room is just going to get slapped in the face tomorrow with real life. And life's going to get real messy real fast. And in that moment, we have to look at it and we have to say, I don't like the wrapping paper, but God, I trust you. And today I'm counting it all joy. I'm counting it all joy. Every trial that I go through, counting it a question mark in my mind, every bit of depression that I'm battling or dealing with or fighting, and God, I'm counting it as joy because I know that you are working all things together for good, that you have a perfect gift for my life. Father, I thank you today, God, for your presence, for your peace. I thank you, God, that you are working all things together for good in our lives. Thank you for your gift, the gift of life, eternal, everlasting, abundant life that you afforded us at Calvary. You gave it to us. You gave everything so that we could have life and life abundantly. You went to the point of death so that we could have life. So we thank you for that today, God. And I thank you for every gift that you're pouring into every life today in this room. I pray for the gift of hope, the gift of joy, the gift of peace that goes beyond all understanding. God, for it to begin to guard and surround every heart and mind in this room. God, I pray for, for, for those, those situations and circumstances that seem insurmountable, that seem uh, overwhelming, God, that you, Lord, will begin to make the crooked places straight, to make those rough places plains, God, in our lives, that as we walk through them, God, we walk with your peace, we walk with your presence, and we walk with you, God, promise, God, that all things work together for good. We trust you, God, that what you've begun, you are faithful and just to complete. And God, today we stand on your promise. We stand on your promises, and your promises are yes, and they are amen, and they are eternal, and they are forever. And so we cling to you, God, and your perfect gift. Today, God, we don't curse the wrapping paper. We don't manipulate the wrapping paper. We don't, we don't try to figure out the wrapping paper, God. We just trust you. We plant our feet, and we say we're going to be still. We're not going to touch, God, what you are doing, and we're going to trust you. Be still and know that I am God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. I'll sing it together. Born in
glad you came to church today. Just say a great big amen. God bless you. Now, let me say it is 12 o'clock noon. So, technically, you're dismissed at this point. And if you, if you leave on technicalities, then you're welcome to leave. But if you're, if you're, if you're not a technical kind of person, I, 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 I circumvented things a little bit this morning, and I stepped ahead. And I was gonna, he was going to come up and dismiss us, but I've been struggling with something all throughout this service. I didn't plan on doing this today, but I've been struggling with it, and now I know, I just know that I have to do this. Um, uh, first of all, let me just make an announcement, and then I'll tell you what I have to do. The announcement is, it's two weeks from today, two weeks from today on December the 22nd, we're going to have our very special Christmas services. They're going to take place at the Princess Theater downtown. We're going to have our beautiful children's production. It's going to be awesome. We're going to take, receive the Lord's Supper together that day. We're going to have two opportunities. We're going to do 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock. So pick one and invite somebody because we'll have room since we're doing two services. And uh, we seat about 235 or 40 people in the Princess. And so we're going to have a great time, two times on Sunday morning, December the 27th, Christmas service. We're going to have Christmas cookies and milk and whatever when we leave but anyway it'll be a great day on christmas as we celebrate now here's what i feel like i have to do today i haven't really shared this with hardly anybody only a few people i don't even know the situation i've never met the lady in my life but there's a lady in our community she's 93 years old 93 years old and she has no family here she's got one brother he lives in the vicksburg area he's basically in the same place she's at I wasn't going to do this to the church. I was just going to put it out on social media, but now I feel like I just have to, and that is this. She lives in a home that literally should be condemned. You, you, that, it's been told to me that you can see the ground through the floor. She's somewhat self-reliant, uh, self-sufficient. Never met her. Drive herself to church. I think she's a member of Magnolia Baptist Church is what I've been told. Again, I've never met her, but this need was brought to me about a month ago, and I prayed about it, and, I did, and finally they located a, a very nice used uh, small single wide trailer that's in very good shape and uh, there's a group of people that want to get together and just kind of spruce it up and make it perfect for her and the plan is is to bulldoze her house found this trailer will be able to have it moved and set up all total for five thousand dollars our church decided we would give the first thousand dollars toward that project first baptist church of gilbert uh bubba ezel pastor bubba ezel they stepped up and said we want to give the second thousand dollars to that so we are two thousand dollars toward our goal uh I, I reached out to a number of other pastors in our community so far so far let me i'm not throwing anybody on the bus but so far we've not gotten any kind of response from that so far so we are two thousand dollars toward this five thousand dollar goal that i believe will change a woman's life 93 year old it's a shame that that's even going on and we don't know about it but we did find out about it thank god so i'm just going to ask you to pray about if you would have god do you do something whatever that is it may be five dollars it may be a dollar it may be you may want to underwrite the whole thing and just say, I'll give the $3,000 to finish it out. And then whatever else comes in, we'll just bless her and do a bunch of other stuff. Put a ramp on her trailer or whatever we have to do. But I would ask you to pray about that. No compulsion, no pressure. Just if you, I'm putting that, you can come there. And if God moves on your heart to do something, you do so. You can do that any way you want to. You can, you can come drop it up here. Make it out to Life Church in the memo. Put, just put 93-year-old lady. You can do that. I don't even know her name, to be honest with you. I just know it's a need, and we want to meet the need. I would love for us. I believe we could do that. I believe we could do it right here today. And so I'm, I'm going to ask you to pray about what you would do. And if you want to do something, if you feel the Lord leading you to do something, just make that out or cash or whatever. You can sit it right here in front of this middle poinsettia today before you leave. We don't need a box. Brandon, we're good. Just, we're just going to lay it right there in the middle. It'll be just fine. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. Merry Christmas. It is so great to see every one of you in this service today.
today. God bless you. Have a great week in Jesus' name.